surnames. Known for being last names. Famous for being first, too. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why surnames are secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. I'm joined by the great Andrew T. Andrew was one of my guests on the very first ever episode of Sif Pod about U.S. post offices. If you know this podcast well, you've heard him before. And I hope you check out all of Andrew's podcasting. He co-hosts the wonderful show Yo! Is This Racist?, and a bunch more shows because he and his co-host Tawny Newsom started their own independent listener-supported network. It is called Suboptimal Pods. It's called Suboptimal Pods because it is the optimal place to subscribe to Tawny Newsom and Andrew T's stuff. Suboptimalpods.com is the URL. Also, that website has a link, and I'll have my own link and my own show links, about an upcoming live episode of Yo! Is This Racist? And it's very soon. Yo! Is This Racist? is live September 10th at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. Acknowledge Andrew recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielina Wartongva and Keech and Chumash peoples, and acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode, and today's episode is about surnames. Surnames are a patron-chosen topic. Thank you very much to Ryan Bracey for that excellent suggestion. It's both self-explanatory and endless. We absolutely will not cover Every surname convention, every surname history, every surname cultural practice in the world. I picked a set of them. I think they're an interesting set, and I think you're really going to enjoy the show. So please sit back, or everyone in the audience, alphabetize yourself by surname, right? We'll treat it like a school event, and shout out to the people with A surnames. You get to go really fast. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Andrew T., I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Andrew T., it is so good to have you back, as always. And I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. How do you feel about surnames? Uh, I actually have in English and in Chinese a pretty rare surname. So cool. that's, uh, I guess, like pretty, it's not something I think about a whole hell of a lot, but mainly because my surname T was transliterated, I guess, in Taiwan under the no longer really commonly used transliteration to English character system. So people oh. with, in, with my Chinese surname would be D, because uh, it's pronounced D. Um, it's also anyway a very, very, very rare surname anyway for Chinese folks. Um, oh. And then triply so because of where my, I guess, grandfather probably was the one who it was transliterated under. Um, yeah. That's amazing. So, so yeah, super. So probably statistically I would confidently say no one is a T specifically because no one really uses that um system uh or maybe they do in taiwan still actually but it's not it was already a super rare surname and you know it's it's the by far less popular if not obsolete uh, system of transliteration to english so no one's like that however the other tidbit is the only other really person in antiquity who has my chinese surname is basically the chinese sherlock holmes uh oh Tell me about him. This, this Judge Judge D. I don't really know much about him other than I read some of the fables, and they're like they're from feudal times. They're pretty, like they're they're. Right. It, it's like <laughs> okay. It's it's less 
he's he's like the Chinese Sherlock Holmes in that he's like the dude who like was the crime solving like smarter guy. But the plots are mm-hmm. like somewhere between complexity of like your average Encyclopedia Brown episode or chapter <laughs> or Perry Mason thing. Like it's it's in there. It's not like an intricate like thing. It's usually just like and then I noticed the incense was burning so much like the pile of ash means that this person's been dead for a day as opposed to an hour, you know. <laughs> I guess like the further back you go in the past, people have read so many fewer stories in their life. So yeah. they're just like a grasshopper talked to an ant. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's like, like it's like it's, it's so much so much more there's no like need for that. And and I think they're they're built more as like parable type things i think i i should know more about yeah. my probable only ancestor of note <laughs> uh as far as i know my my chinese history is not yeah. great but as everyone listening to this can surely tell anyway so yeah for that reason you, surnames yeah. are i have a you know pretty weird uh surname my sister's like the only dr t in the medical who's who or whatever and i i probably that will stay that way because no kid of mine's going to become a doctor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm the end of the line. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you weren't going to have kids, but like, no, tons of kids and no yeah. doctors, not allowed. <laughs> no, call that. No, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, that is my relationship to surnames. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. An extremely rare one in English. And like, I genuinely, I, w- I, would, po- I would say with... There's a, there's a like decent chance I'm, you know, our family is the only one that ever went through the specific set of circumstances to have my English last name. I, and can I ask, I, I think you said earlier that it's, it's traditionally pronounced D. Is that right? D. Cause I've the seen rising tone D. D. Okay. Cause yeah. I've seen, I've yeah, seen yeah. that spelled hey, T-I. Good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Should I, like, I think I've called you Andrew T before yeah i I mean no oh no 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 i don't no one really it's yeah i i think that would be weird um mostly because i don't know but yeah like like we had some uh like when i was young my mom made friends with um some mainland chinese folks i grew up in michigan um but they Mm. i don't they they must have been visiting the university or something i'm not really sure but she had only ever conversed with them in Chinese, well, maybe in English as well, but but anyway, suffice to say, they'd never seen our English last name written down. Well, and also because it's my mom, and it's the, you know, it's not really as common to take the. Maybe, I guess it happens in America, but like taking the the surname of the the husband. Um, so she was always oh, yeah. um, Alice. Uh, went by Alice Yan. Uh, so, so that's my mom. Uh, people could find her. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, so, so all that out, just remove it completely. So they had they had <laughs> never seen my uh, my surname, my and my dad and my sister's surname written oh, down sure. in English. So at one point they gave me a birthday card and they they uh, they spelled it D I because that was what the right, modern trying yeah the character would transliterate to in in English uh, to them. So wow. it's like, what's real? What's not? I mean, that that whole system is just, you know, the, the fact that there's competing ways. It's the system under it's, which yeah. um, Peking and Beijing are the oh. same. <laughs> sure. But, you know, there, there, it, it isn't like a case where the name was changed. It was the transliteration system was changed. Or, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, Yeah. I almost feel like a podcast benefits from that because, like, I was I was talking to a friend of the show, Teresa Lee, and she was telling me about how L E E and L I are often the same name, just transliterated differently, and and like, yeah, being in audio will just stick to the sounds, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. That has to be the most common one that people have encountered because um, Lee is an incredibly common uh, surname, and yeah, it's not, um, yeah, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it isn't it isn't because of pronunciation. So it's not uh, a Cantonese Mandarin thing because that does have different pronunciations that would be mm-hmm. reasonably spelled different. These are the same Mandarin pronunciations simply written down in a different way. I guess the other part of it is even though it's transliterated T I, 
it's still, it's just that the, the transliteration system, the T is meant to be a sort of D sound anyway. So it's mm-hmm. meant to denote the same sound. It's just that once we got here, ugh, what are you going to do? Actually, it's pronounced D. No, it's hard to explain why it's, you know, this is who cares. It's just T. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I guess whatever you're comfortable with and happiest with. And for basically everybody's surname, it's the same thing. Like, oh, yeah. what, you know, what feels good? I, I guess I, I hadn't really thought about it, um, mainly because, uh, yeah, it, it is a thing where my Chinese name feels so divorced from, because you know what it is, is because Andrew, there's no like transliteration from my, my Chinese um, given name to a Andrew. It's just my mom just picked Andrew out of the first, she got bored. She's literally, she said this. She's like, I, I was like three pages into the baby book. I was like, <laughs> just Andrew's fine. um but yeah so so i've never thought of like my english name which is the name i probably think of myself more under because i was born here um like my chinese name is just separate and therefore the surname even though they are technically gunning for the same thing and same sound yeah so yeah i think it'd be weird because it'd be i guess if you call me andrew d it also does not flow very well because Andrew, Andrew, yeah, because it's two, it's kind of like two rising sounds. So people would, in English, would end up saying Andrew D. um, And that is not right either. So I don't, there's no specific reason to encourage that. Right, right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing so much about that too. That's so interesting. I, I had, I forgot. I I actually had, like, had half coalesced uh, when you sent the email and I kind of forgot what the uh, topic was. And I was like, Oh yeah, I have a whole, I have a whole thing about my last name because it's, uh, it's very unique circumstances that got, got me to this, got us to here. Like, it's unlikely ever to happen again. And it probably hasn't happened to many people in history. And yeah, that's that. Yeah. I mean, that's my, my, surname last name is relatively not unique because of germany because it's the yeah. german version of smith so like so yes. like millions and millions of people are called that like it's it's uh, it's yeah. out there a lot but yeah. Sch- schmidt does seem like a it's a name that this is me just stabbing in the dark but it does feel like that's one that was transliterated differently for the same name like oh yeah coming coming to english or, or just like you know a lot of like ellis island it's like (laughs) you know like yeah close enough good enough like between like typos and like trying to fit in and things like that it does seem like schmidt has like or just uh, i'm smith now right i'm I'm sure if you just became smiths and yeah yeah, it feels like very malleable like (laughs) (laughs) And and i think germans benefited in the united states and also, we'll talk about Ellis Island a lot later. But I think Germans oh, sure. yeah, yeah, in, the, <laughs> in the United States, they benefited from same alphabet privilege. Like, like yeah. I, I think there were a lot of Germans who, within Germany, became my spelling S-C-H-M-I-D-T, or they became S-C-H-M-I-T-T, just yeah. within Germany, like, with nobody imposing that. And then both came right, over. Right, right, you know? right. Right, some, right. Yeah, there's also a lot of people S C H M I T T, and then I question whether we share a name. I'm like, I guess we do, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is because it's also like you know, I know even less about. Well, no, that's probably not true. I was going to say I know less about German history than Amer- than Chinese history, but it's probably pretty close, which is not much for either. There's some um, famous German history out there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess a lot, of, a lot of it really, really <laughs> it looms large. Yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, because it's like, like you know, presumably like a lot of surnames, it's like, you know, various tribes and, and things like that, like coming together. And so it's like, was it DT and TT? Were they different? Were they cousins? Were, is right. it simply just like, you know, typos propagated? Like, could be anything, it feels like. For, I, I guess I could, from a position of sufficient ignorance, anything could feel like anything. <laughs> <laughs> everything with, everything feels like anything that's what i'm trying to say with you're mentioning typos it made me think of that crazy german medieval font where it's all like pointy and and like i think it's called fractor is the name of the font i'll link pictures oh. of it but like I, I feel like that's a mega typo font like it, every letter just looks <laughs> like a sword you know like it's impossible oh, sure, to sure, read sure. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 oh my god i'm gonna look at it wait i think 
Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, this uh, in this episode, too, like, I have a lot of research here. Also, surnames are pretty global in so many different ways. So, folks, we won't hit everything in the world. But I think we have a lot of interesting stuff. And I'll start with a set of fascinating numbers and statistics. This is an all-time big section for this. But this week it's in a segment called Shake Your Stats. Watch yourself. Shake your stats. Show me what you number with. <laughs> and uh, that name was submitted by Brisby Waterhammer. Thank you, Brisby. I have a new name for this every week. Please make them as silly and wacky as possible. Submit to SipPot on Twitter or to SipPot at gmail.com. Um, y'all missed out on uh, Alex's performance face during that, which was uh, just delightful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... And I'm looking at my numbers here. I think I'll start with one that relates to China, because we, we've gotten to talk about it with your background, Andrew. The first number will be 1.2 billion people. <laughs> and 1.2 billion people is the approximate number of people in the People's Republic of China, specifically, whose surnames come from a set of just 100 surnames. Oh. Like almost I, all I, of the population uh, yeah. is, uh, it's 86% have surnames from a set of just 100 options. Yeah. 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 That makes, honestly, I, I'm, 100 seems, long. I bet you could find, dice it into a less pleasing round number, but more mind boggling stat. Like somewhere there's like, a, somewhere in the 34 region, there's still a very, very high percentage of that. It turns out someone has uh, oh. <laughs> like about 30% of the population, three zero are from just five surnames. Yeah, 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 yeah. That feels about right. Yeah. yeah. Surname distribution <laughs> in China is about the same as income distribution in America. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's perfect, right? Like, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out, like, uh, for comparison, CNN covered this. They said that in the 2010 U.S. Census, in 2010, they found 6.3 million different surnames in the U.S. But in China and across Chinese people, uh, we're just using the People's Republic of China as one big set, but across Chinese people and culture, there tend to be relatively few surnames. And the mm -hmm. top five are number one, Wang, number two, Li, and then Zhang, Liu, and Chen. Those are the mm -hmm. top five. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, but like Li is Li and Wang, there's there are different within them. I wonder if those are accounted for. But either way, yeah, that that that's yeah. that's about right. Yeah. But then that's that's a that's a transliteration issue. It's like who knows? <laughs> yeah, since since it's audio, the their spelling for Wang as the number one name is W A N G. In, yeah, in Roman alphabet. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but but e e even if you dice it that other way, I I, I think the the more important thing is it's yeah very relatively speaking very few surnames, and also it varies a little bit. Apparently, the top surname in Taiwan is Chen, which is number five in the People's Republic. But either way, it creates an interesting situation where I think nobody's specifically counted, but according to the Atlantic. Wong is probably the number one surname on Earth because it's the number one surname across this yeah. huge population. Like it's yeah, just yeah. Uh, statistically likely, basically. China, the the theory for there being relatively few surnames is that China has had surnames longer than a lot of other places, in addition to the mm -hmm. large population. And because the next number here is four thousand years ago, and four thousand years ago is the approximate time when Han Chinese people developed that practice of having surnames. Mm -hmm. People have not always had them, and it kind of varies across the world when cultures and people have adopted them. Yeah. Well, and, and, but as far as, like, adopting them, like, there, it's also, like, I would guess there has to be some version of, like, also because, like, obviously many, many permutations, but the area that basically is mostly China um, has had sort of top-down rule for longer than anywhere else on earth. <laughs> so like <laughs> things, things like, you know, one powerful person having many, many offspring is much more likely. And also people oh, being more, more likely to just survive because they have a similar like, uh, surname to someone in power. Um, and, and nearly natural select, like I guess, artificial selection for fewer last names. Yeah, that could be some of it. Or, or family names. Family yeah. names. 
fir- first names. Yeah, uh, patron Ryan Bracey picked this topic and he specifically phrased it as surnames because I think he was being globally thoughtful. Where in yeah. especially East Asia, the family name comes first a lot. But I, yeah. In, yeah, growing yeah. up in the U.S., we would just call it last names basically exclusively. I, I don't know when I learned yeah. the name, the word surname, but it was later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, surname feels like such a. I feel like I probably heard it in the context of like some. It, it's so like British feeling to me. But then exactly. it's like yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I guess when you colonize, especially when you're the colonizers of many places where surnames come first, that's more useful in your language. (laughs) The British Empire will come up a lot. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And because speaking of them, like one example of a place that relatively recently developed surnames is England. Apparently, they only started about 1000 years ago versus 4000 in China. Uh, and they really started after the Norman invasion in 1066. And that's according mm. to genealogist John Titford, who wrote a source for this. It's called the Penguin Dictionary of British Surnames. Oh, interesting. Uh, like, they, they kind of picked it up from that northern France people as a practice. Right. And also, they were administrating. And a part of the the longevity of surnames in China is that there was, like, government there before yeah, there was yeah. government in some other places on a large scale. Yeah, thing, things like censuses, like you need surnames when you need to write down everyone's name yeah. and who they are. And But also then <laughs> it, it feels like, and this is just, I'm wondering if I will be proven that this is simply apocryphal, but the like schoolyard piece of wisdom, right, is that like so many British, I guess, ang- English English surnames are like occupation based, whereas like like in China, it's like more like tribal and regional and like family, like original family. So like a coop, if if indeed it is true that Coopers were named after, you know, people who were barrel makers when it was time to. That's right. Time to give out surnames. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Coopers don't really have any particular, you know, aside from the fact that trades were probably passed down, but a Cooper from different parts of England wouldn't necessarily be related to one another uh, at a, right. as high a degree as like a, a D with, you know, cause we're all in one horse village. Uh, yeah. Basically <laughs> we are, we are, the D's are uh, as far as I know, more horse people than, than city folks. We're sort of low red Mongolians. <laughs> um, as I've been told. I, I was told like both sides of my family were dirt farmers, you know, like I feel like kids maybe just in America or elsewhere, we get told like, yeah, all your ancestors were this job. It's like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that's true. Like, even as I say it like that, maybe my perception of like more um, trade mobility, um, creates this incorrect impression, but cause yeah, maybe yeah. it's like, yes, even though people are just named by job, it is still very likely they are related to one another because, you know, once a Cooper, always a Cooper <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever shoemaker or Smith or et cetera. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about that wisdom a little later. That's true. A lot of last names come from occupations, especially in like British yeah. names for sure. Yeah. 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 With these names in China, it's it's such an old practice. Apparently, it's older than the invention of paper. Uh, according oh, right. to Chen Jiawei, who's an associate professor at Beijing Normal University, ancient China had tens of thousands of different surnames, and they would be inscribed on bamboo or into bronze or woven into silks, like all different ways of recording it. But they think that chiefly because of just the length of doing that practice – like families keep intermarrying and, you know, each generation you can have a family have no male descendants or a lot of male descendants. And so just over time, the amount of surnames narrowed naturally. Right. It's not intuitive, but like, I guess, like, as you say it, you start to right. like it just sort of especially it's just like if children are just given half of the options of the two yeah. surnames, then it makes sense that they will narrow over time. Yeah, if it's always in, in, dad's last name, then it just in cuts any it. given, yeah, yeah, or or yeah, yeah, right. That yeah. yeah, it just it reduces variability by some number. <laughs> I mean, in a population of two, it reduces the variability by fifty percent each time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I assume the math extrapolates for larger populations. <laughs> 
What if like Adam and Eve in the Bible, there was a part where the Bible was like, and they picked Adam's last name, Eve's last name, forget it. It's out. Yeah. It's done. Uh, <laughs> uh. Does the Bible have an origin of last names? I, there's a lot of names. The Bible really gives a shit about names. But is anyone, does anyone have a last name in the Bible? No, I'm like, I think our I, family in, name. In my memory of it, a lot of people have one of the other big sources of last names in a lot of cultures, which is like people get called name, son of name. And a lot of la- yes. last names, especially like in, in the na- last name Johnson means son of John. Like there's a lot of right, right, surname right. origins like that. Yes. But there's not a lot of like Adam Jenkins or whatever. And yeah. Eve yeah. The hyphenated Jenkins, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Not a not a big Bible reader. That's some. <laughs> I've had multiple classes that I've had to read the Bible. So I'm like, I can't think oh, no. of a last name. But yeah, son of, <laughs> son of makes sense. Yeah. And and uh, also with the like process of a surname pool shrinking over time, there's another potential example of it with Latin America. Mm. Um, there's a, another source for this episode is Hispanic Surnames and Family History, which is a book by a genealogist named Lyman D. Platt. And he says that the pool of Latin American surnames has been recorded to shrink over time. Apparently, as of 1750, there were about 250,000 common surnames in Latin America. And by the 1990s, it was down to 60,000. So 250 years, they went from 250,000 to 60,000. And they think it's the same reason. Just over time, it narrowed down. The more I think of it, it's like I'm, I'm seeing like the computer simulation of like, glowing balls with different colors for surnames and as each parent goes out there's only one and then you're like yeah of course over generations it has to diminish unless a source of new surnames is introduced um but globally i guess it's still diminishing if as long as we keep up the patriarchal practice of right yeah whereas the hyphenate i guess if you are going strictly by characters is a as a new is a novel source of surnames completely but we're just talking about the math here yeah (laughs) but yeah so that's like kind of all of surnames over all of history and the world in a very short way and uh then getting into other practices and situations the next number here is three or four and there's another Latin American thing. That's three or four is the common number of parts of a name in Spanish-speaking Latin America. Oh, sure. And Because right. uh, I, I didn't know about all of this. It turns out that a lot of times people will have a given first name and then like a second given name, like a second personal name. And then from mm-hmm. there, they'll have their father's surname and their mother's surname. That would give them four parts. Yeah. That feels like... This is strictly from watching soccer that I have seen this a lot. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Like four names. Yeah. Makes sense. I did. I, I looked up one example of it and I went with the president of Mexico. But then the next thing I checked is my favorite baseball player who's from Cuba. So, yeah. Right. I, sports as a, as a person in the U.S. that can be one source of this. Yeah. Right. Well, and, but, and also it, it, these are like folks um, under... I mean, you know, under no particular pressure to conform to anglicize their names. Yeah, that's right. You know, they're they're rich. They're globally rich in their own countries. So why would you need to make Americans feel comfortable? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess I'll give both examples. The the baseball example is Jose Abreu, of the Chicago White Sox. I've just always called him that. It turns out his full name is Jose Dariel Abreu Correa. Because oh, yeah. Dariel right. is just a second personal name in addition to his first name. And then Abreu is his father's surname. Correa is his mother's surname. Right. But it's but it's, like U.S. It, practice and sports has turned me into just thinking of him, thinking of him as Abreu, his father's surname. Because the, the, the other one, and I know him from his whole name because I think just as the president of Mexico, he goes on and goes by it. He doesn't switch it for the United States. Right. Is Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. And then right. Lopez is his father's surname. Obrador is his mother's surname. It's just more parts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like, uh, uh, not the same thing, but the next number here is three, because three is the common number of parts of a name in Russian culture. 
Yeah. They uh if if people have heard like long Russian names, there's a lot of like Vich or Ovich in boys and a lot yeah. of Avna and Ovna for girls. It turns out Russian names are a given first name and then a middle patronymic name, which is their dad's first name with a suffix on it. With a gender yeah. on it, yeah. And then their surname after that. It's like, the, uh, the I guess, Johnson is the typical son of John Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then and then daughter in Scandinavian culture, Scandinavian languages. Yeah, the, I couldn't I couldn't find great sourcing for like the number one surname in every country. But the sourcing right. I could find for Iceland, the number one surname was John's daughter. Yeah. Which is like daughter right. of John. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, it's like <laughs> makes sense. There's <laughs> there's marginally more girls than boys or girls names than boys names and marginally and probably many Johns. Yeah, it like it's it's like it's like it's one of those like on a trivia night like nearly deducible. It's like it's like not fun when everybody gets it. Like oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, all right. yeah. <laughs> long as we win some of our bar tab, I guess. That's the point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not if everyone does, and it's pointless. Uh, <laughs> well, and, uh, and yeah, and examples for this Russian thing, because it, it's amazing to me as like an even more dad-driven surname and name. Um, male example here is Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin. Right. It turns out Vladimir Putin's father's first name was also Vladimir. And so then he yeah. has a patronymic Vladimirovich in the middle. Yeah. I, I mean, at a certain point, it's it is simply just like just information. You're just cramming information in there. Yeah. Like logging family information like a database. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's like you could nearly, you know, if you knew the practice was being like stuck too rigidly, you could probably like, you know, with a pretty quick brute force computer, like like <laughs> make a make a family tree. You know, or even yeah. just like on paper, you can you can make a family tree just with a handful of names. Like there's just a, a, a limit to the number of configurations that could work. And there's something to be said for that making like that information close at hand in a society. Like, great. Yeah. Okay, that's easier. Cool. Yeah. And then like for a female example, the the suffix instead of vich or ovich, it's avna or ovna. And I picked female example, born in the USSR in 1983, Mila Kunis. The actress right. Mila Kunis, her full for like full given name is Milena Markovna Kunis. That means her dad's name was Mark Kunis. Right, right, right. Ah, oh, yeah, and just like a such a, I guess Russian is so is interesting to an English speaker who doesn't know any Russian because it just feels like an amalgamation of practices from languages I'm more familiar with. It's like a little Scandinavian, <laughs> a little this, a little that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. I have no idea. <laughs> Vladimir Putin just stirring a big pot. Like, look what I put together. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just like some some czar or some That's more accurate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess what's the difference? <laughs> Next thing here is a big trumpet sound for a big takeaway. Before that, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be right back. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them and then you just stay there like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> 
it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. One other interesting practice here that reminds me of it is Egyptian names, at least in the most traditional way. And shout out to patron Ryan Bracey for telling me about this. Apparently, in I, I couldn't find amazing sourcing on it, but the most traditional version of Egyptian names is somebody's given name and then their father's first name and then their grandfather's first name before a surname. So it's sort of like an even more tears version of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it sort of like makes sense. Like the longer your society is held together, like and as long as these rules, which don't work for everyone, but as long as they're held to. It's like it's like the it, you know what it is it's is it's like some like this is this is this is how my knowledge of history is is I'm about to say a thing because I'm like this is probably how they talk in Game of Thrones but also that's like based on European history but it is like sort of like heraldic like I am this son of this this is my relationship to this this is my you know just just like it's like a little a little CV in terms of like just who you are. Yeah, really. Every time you give your your full name, that's a great. It's it's yeah. the don't you know who my father is? <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess has right. held weight throughout human history. <laughs> <laughs> Just a cave painting of Megan McCain. Like, see, yeah, see? <laughs> way back there. <laughs> that's been the most most important thing as far as time time immemorial. <laughs> That leads really well into this next number, actually. The next number is five. And it's going to be a, a whole set of information, but five is a general <laughs> number of types of origins for British surnames. Oh, okay. And and like like one of them is the job thing that we talked about before. That but there yeah. are, you know, the, with each society that has surnames, there was kind of a critical time usually when they started adopting surnames. And so right. There was this British window in the 1000s when they said, okay, now we need to like pick surnames for people based on not just who their father is because they didn't have one. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's like, but right, I, that's so like, the it's interesting kind of thing is like, yeah, and, and like just the fact that they're, I mean, I guess it's because, you know, even though it's a more or less coherent country now, it's just five independent Probably, my guess is five independent origins, and it's a little regional of this practice, and they just had different ways of doing oh. it. Or was there it five is... waves of like it's 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 surname time? You missed it last time. <laughs> you get one now. I'd say there's like a few answers to that. It's it's one time when people were doing five reasons, and also there are definite regional variations for sure. Yeah, right. It just seems so bonkers to just be like. We're doing we're doing family names. We have five we different go. ways, five different ways you can pick. Presumably you can't pick. Presumably your lord picks for you. Potentially uh, introduced for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, the the source of these like this schema, these categories for thinking about it is the book The Penguin Dictionary of British Surnames by John Tidford. Right. Uh, and first one that we already mentioned is jobs. Uh, and that goes for a, a bunch of things. Like, like you said, Cooper, there's Baker, butcher, cook, Mason, uh, and then Smith as a big one. Um, mm -hmm. there's also like a few specifically weird ones in particular farmer, mm -hmm. according to Titford, you would like, you would think farmer would almost be too common of a job name. Like so many people are that <laughs> that doesn't break, right. it, break it down any. Like in this time in the the one thousands, the ten hundreds, farmer that word tended to refer to somebody who collected taxes, as in they were like <laughs> farming the money from the people under this nobleman. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> so surprise, farmers. So this is this is like Starcraft logic, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's grim. How so language <laughs> boomerangs all the way back around. Yeah. <laughs> God, I want to play StarCraft now. Okay, focus. Um, and then uh, the other, like, really strange one to talk about is any of the surnames that are a job in Christian clergy, 
like priest mm-hmm. or abbot or like those people are generally, especially before the Reformation, not supposed to be having children or families or anything. Right. Um, and so it turns out that name usually got applied to somebody who worked for that job as a servant. Like if you were the uh, servant of a bishop, right. you could pick up the surname bishop. Well, but then also realistically, a decent number of those people also did have the were were sired by those <laughs> folks, given the times. Yeah, exactly. And that just folded into that surname, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That probably happened a lot. <laughs> but then, and so then there's four other categories here, real quick. Uh, one of them is surname based on a first name, usually the father's first name. So we, we talked about like Johnson is a common one. Mm-hmm. Um, it also turns out a lot of surnames like Williams or Richards, where you could break it out into like a first name with an S on the end, that mm-hmm. also tends to be this situation. Right, right, right. It's like probably simply the possessive. This is, yeah, probably. You know, <laughs> Richard's, Richard's son. Just the apostrophe fading over time. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah. And next category is surnames with a topographical origin and topography that's landscape features or town features. So like surnames like Wood, Rivers, Bridge, Gates, yeah. um, also At Ridge, Atwell. It's usually where somebody lives and they, they pick up a right. surname that's distinctive about that. So it just it, it is right. Like, like ultimately, I don't want to interrupt you before the end of the list, but I'll just make a prediction that it basically it's like if if like like the dumbest high school bully was just like the lord of your town which is probably <laughs> the emotional equivalent and they're just like look at look at look at woodsy over there that's woods almost uh, precisely coopers making barrels you're the cooper you know it's just like it's arbitrary <laughs> and like they're just like low imagination folks so they're just like these five things but that's not bound to rules necessarily that's like exactly right because one of the two other categories here is just like nickname type stuff. It's just like somebody got compared to a thing or or picked right, on for right. a thing. Because uh, apparently a lot of animal last names, such as Wren or Partridge, it comes from. You remind me of that animal is like the yeah. reason. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Look at this Partridge mother. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the other thing is like even like physical features, like the surname short can be because you're short. Like that can be yeah. <laughs> that simple. Right, right, right. Um, so it truly it is like some like and we shall call you <laughs> and then whatever. Yeah. Just some <laughs> some did it is how you got your last name. <laughs> and and also some of these are like hidden to us today because the British Isles, there were more languages than just English. And so For example, the Scottish last name Cameron, apparently it comes from Scots Gaelic, and it's the Scots Gaelic words for a twisted nose. Right. And then like Campbell is the same language for a crooked mouth. Like some some names that we don't recognize as that are that quietly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And it it is simply transliterated to English to fit in like all kinds of (laughs) through time. (laughs) And then last of the five categories here is place name origins. So it's not like rivers and forests and stuff. It's like the town's name, the county's name. Right. And Titford says a lot of these are hard to identify today because this was more common in like smaller towns and smaller places. Like like if right. you give yourself the surname London because you live in London, that's not distinctive. There's too many people. Right, right. But there's right. like old towns and ghost towns that have become people's surnames. Right. Also, it, it is just like, you know, in a, in a time with, yeah, relatively, if not no written record, it's probably just a lot of like, ooh, yeah, I'm from Northampton. <laughs> That's me. Right. <laughs> don't worry about anything else I did prior to this, and don't come looking for me by any other name. <laughs> yeah, and the world was so rural, you could just be like, I'm from the woods. And everybody's like, yeah, cool. Makes sense. A lot of people are from the woods. Yeah, cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not worried about it at all. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, there's one more number and then one takeaway. But the last number here is 2.5 million. And 2.5 million, it's a low-end estimate for the number of people in the United States with the surname Smith. Right. That's the number one surname in the U.S. And they think about that many. So... So weird. 
Yeah, like it's less than 1% of the population, but it's still a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, I guess that is the one place that America does kind of live up to its uh, uh, melting pot reputation is like, yeah, you know, we make we make people conform a little bit, but not that much. Yeah, there's a big range. And and also with the rest of it, the, this stat comes from it's it's an estimate from 2014. So there might be a few more now. But this was Mona Chalabi and Andrew Flowers at the website 538. They said they estimated 2.5 million Smiths. And then next most common is about 2 million Johnsons. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the top 10 in the U.S. was Williams, Brown, Jones, Garcia, Rodriguez, Miller, Martinez, and Davis. Right. That's top 10. And that list, the yeah, those, those names are going to start moving in different directions. <laughs> As... <laughs> As the United States hopefully continues to go the at least a direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But maybe not. You know, variability is only getting lower even though we have more people. And and also like the roots of some of those are a little surprising. Like Smith it, Smith is the biggest here mainly because it's the number one name in England and Scotland. But mm-hmm. the number one surname in Wales is apparently Jones. And that's part of why it's number five in the U.S. Like, oh, the Welsh. Look at them. Right. Like they showed up. Yeah, that's it. well. And but then it's also like, as as we were saying or as you were saying, like the, you know, Smith, there's also the like statistically Smiths in the like Schmitz and then, you know, that. Yeah, that sort of thing. It's like, I, you know, just it's probably extremely tedious and only mildly fruitful to do that, that math of like the <laughs> origins. But I'm guessing there's some version of also it's random, like, like Smith, Smith is real, you know, just like, like many divergent evolutions. It's like, it happens that the first wave of immigration of English speaking people was more weighted towards Smith's through, you know, roll of the dice, really. Right. Like, you know, it's who fewer people fewer Smith's died on the on the boats or, you know, just randomly decided to come here because they were religious freaks um, and, and now we have right. this big zealot name huge zealot name. yeah they're, yeah they're, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we will get to one takeaway and it's i think pretty relatively uplifting actually but there's one more wrinkle with these u.s last names that's very sad just heads up because uh, <laughs> the the other big element in u.s surnames is the practice of human slavery from the British sure. and then in the U.S. Right. And it turns out that as of the census in the year 2000, 22% of people with the surname Smith identify as black Americans. And some black Americans, they got their surname from owners of ancestors yeah. applying it. And so that's a huge bummer. I feel like pretty, pretty significant numbers. It's like, yeah, yeah, that that's the that the legacy of chattel, not the Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, yeah, I know what legacy you mean. Yeah. Of chattel slavery. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, it it's it's one of those things that I feel like that doesn't ring honestly for enough white folks. Like, because the number of times yeah. that you've seen people be like, "Oh, shit, like to a black person, we have the same last name," and then it's like without taking the X, just a fraction of a step <laughs> further of like yeah. what that, how does that come about? <laughs> like yeah and it like doesn't apply to absolutely everybody but it's a thing and like sure no no of course yeah but but like, like even without it. that like yeah like, yeah like <laughs> just so just to just to take the whisper of a moment like how do how do you think other people's last names were acquired or surnames were acquired yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah, usually kind of ugly and for like extra story about that, I'll point people to past episode about the letter X because we talk about Malcolm X's story and he and other people you know, just like dropping their surname because they noticed that element. And, you know, yeah, makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I was uh, <laughs> not that when you were like, it's a little sad. I was like, uh, not that this is this makes sense either. But also it, it feels like there's a big, you know, in, in societies where you're able to change your name. And it's like, you know, there had to be more Hitler's somewhere <laughs> and absolutely like, yeah 
Yeah, there was the and, and yeah, there's all kinds of reasons to change. Yeah, the one of the one of the distant like Bin Laden cousins I remember tried to like launch a fashion line like sometime in the 2000s, and it was like, you know what? I understand this isn't really your fault, but and honestly, maybe it was. Also, I don't know enough about this person, but it was like, you're, it's going to be hard to sell a line of Bin Laden couture for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, that even we I won't really cover it, but there's that whole thing of the current British royal family goes by the last name Windsor because they didn't like their previous German name because it just had German vibes and didn't fit the world right. wars, you know? Like yeah, oh well. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, right. So that's I guess the other thing for all the stuff we've been saying about how like as long as everyone follows the rules and it's like, yeah, the, so yeah, forever people don't follow these rules. So like it's not it's only marginally useful. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. And with especially name changes, this brings us to the one main takeaway for the main episode. Takeaway one out of one. It turns out the staff at Ellis Island rarely, if ever, changed the surnames of immigrants that came through there. Oh. It turns out, I until researching this, I thought that was a thing that happened all the time. And it turns out right. that is a myth and for a few reasons. Right. <laughs> I guess it, it is one of those things that's like there's there's two things. One is I so many of those specific stories because also those are like you know stories of like immigration where people are like in higher than usual proportions running from something than like just your average population. <laughs> so like not all of them, but in in a probably higher than baseline, you know, throw throw the find a just completely random human being. Like Ellis Island feels like, again, higher than average. Like, let's let's fudge the name a little bit, and but that's incentivized <laughs> from the uh, from the immigrant side. So like, rather than staff doing it, but then it's like a lot of like, yeah. And then the other side of it too that strikes me as possible is like, you know, like that happens for whatever reason. But like, we only hear about, you know, the vast majority of people are just like, came in, here's my name, got written down, fine, here you go. But like we we probably in our consciousness over index for, oh, my name was changed for X or Y quirky reason, because that's an anecdote. Everything else is just paperwork. Right. And a lot of people either change their names before or after Ellis Island, like back yeah. in their home country or after they were here for a while because they had a reason assimilating or fleeing something or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it turns out the actual facility didn't really do it. And one of the biggest reasons people think it did is the movie The Godfather Part 2. Right. <laughs> that is like the main example of this ever happening is young Vito Andolini from Corleone. Uh, I'll, I'll try to find it if I can link it for people. But there's a scene in that movie where it's like looking at Marlon Brando's future character, who is also Robert De Niro's character. But the kid is going through Ellis Island and a translator tells the official Vito Andolini from Corleone. And then the official lazily writes down Vito Corleone. And also the translator doesn't correct him. And in this very fake scene that happens. And it gave a lot of people the idea. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> For the kids, it's like the scene in Solo where Han Solo gets his name. Uh, have you seen that movie? Yeah. It's real weird. Why did they do what? Yes, that's the other big example is Star Wars. Wow. What's your name? Han. Are you alone? Yes. Han Solo. Really? We needed to see that? That's wild. Yeah, they borrowed it from a fake thing about the United States. Wow. Really cool. <laughs> Like, what a weird, unnecessary homage that makes so little sense. I guess that's the, that's the beauty of Star Wars is it takes itself deadly seriously and then uses children's logic like every five minutes. Yeah. Right. That's like what a, that's what like a that's baby cool. thinks, like how you get named Han Solo. You're alone. So you're solo. <laughs> It's like how Star Wars is like, how do wars work? Well, the two coolest guys have swords. And then, yeah. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> one fighter pilot is magic. Uh, you know? <laughs> it's just it's just like, yeah, it has to be. It has to be for babies. The yeah. logic has to be for babies or it doesn't work. It's not like horrible trenches where guys have like foot infections <laughs> or something. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, man, that's not a bad 
just the, okay the, the that, like yeah. really unpleasant <laughs> trench warfare battle <laughs> just like kind of muddy i realized also i was playing the video game um jedi fallen order uh okay, whereas yeah. the, it's the one where you play the jedi uh, as a jedi but um you know you do a lot of deflecting laser beams and whatnot and i realized the jedi are not that great because that is a planet where the bullets, the main bullets that are shot at you move at about the speed of like a softball. Sure. <laughs> it's fast. You could definitely get hit by them and it would hurt a lot if you got hit by it. But also you can hit it. It's yeah. like, yeah, it makes sense. doable to hit it. <laughs> and those are the main weapons of war. We just can't make a faster bullet. Anyway, time to go to warp speed. Easy. Yeah. Not a problem. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best we got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. L- little tangent for for you there. I can't believe Solo did that thing. It's amazing. Um but but yeah. That's with- like the only thing I remember from that movie. There's a chance actually I didn't to, need it. Yeah. I had to check my Disney Plus. There's a chance that is exactly where I turned off the movie because I don't remember anything <laughs> subsequent to that. So maybe I was just like, you know what, I need a little break, and I never got back to that movie. <laughs> It, it, we really didn't need that origin. They really <laughs> so went weird. Out of way. Because um, with um, with Ellis Island here, it turns out there are really like two big process reasons why this myth really, really didn't happen. It just was not a thing that like like maybe one or two people out of millions it happened to. But yeah, but it's it's like like trend transcription typo levels. Yeah, and it, well, it turns out they didn't even really have the opportunity. One of the two big reasons is. The broader white racism of American immigration, it turns out Ellis Island, in its real time of being an immigration facility, handled more than 12 million people, but they were all within pretty strict quotas of which country could send how many people to the United States. And so between that and the geography on the East Coast, basically all Ellis Island immigrants were from Europe and from, from places that... Maybe there were a few Cyrillic alphabet people, but mostly Latin alphabet. And then, like, they were white. So they th- there was less transliteration or other errors like that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, did, I didn't mean typo. Is it? I guess I meant just, like, like, when so much was done by hand. Like, the error rate was not, like, ultimately millions of names. The er- that, that bureaucratic error rate, like handwriting or error rate or typing, I guess. But, you know. Well, because the the other other big reason is that Ellis Island did not do that part. It turns oh, out okay. that <laughs> when, when immigrants came from Europe, their names got recorded by the shipping lines before they got on the boat. So when they were still in their own country, and mm-hmm. so especially the person recording it was often from their same language and culture in their country. If they were right, you know. so it's just like a card. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and then process wise. Like the migrant names get recorded before the boat comes. The boat gives a manifest to Ellis Island inspectors and they're just cross checking that list. And they and Ellis Island inspectors also like it turns out worked very hard. They did a 30 question (laughs) examination. Part of it was creepy. It was like they were supposed to check for rabble rousing. They were supposed to check for loafing. There was a lot of like not great class stuff. But all all but measuring cranium size. Basically, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but also according to historian Philip Sutton of the New York Public Library, Ellis Island staff were actually more likely to catch a typo in the shipping line stuff. Oh, sure, because they'd be like, right, "Is right. this right?" and the person would be like, "No," and then they would fix it. So right. they, of the many things they did wrong or well, they didn't mess that up. Like specifically, Ellis Island, yeah, had a different function. That yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and apparently also about in the peak years, about a third of the staff at Ellis Island were foreign-born Americans. Also, that staff, they were hired if they spoke about three languages was the average. Right. And so when they were talking to people, like, either they knew the language or they could tag in a coworker usually. And so right, right. for what it was within the confines that were set up by Congress, it was like a pretty culturally right. solid institution. I guess, you know, what I will say is... Yeah, the specific, like, island of Ellis Island. But it also is, like, you know, even the way I used it before, it's like, yeah. It's more just, like, I feel like, at least I use it, Ellis Island is, like, the whole process of, like, 19th and 20th century immigration. 
Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. Like from, from tip to tail. <laughs> that is that is all called Ellis Island in my head. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we do refer to it that way broadly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I assume my dad did his San Francisco. I don't actually even know. <laughs> yeah, and they uh, they stopped running Ellis Island as a main facility really in like the mid 1950s, and right there, and they were also you know anybody coming from the west or you know if people yeah. came across the southern border that used to be a lot more loose and and not restricted, and so like yeah, it's only one like pie slice of the uh, immigration system. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it is probably the Godfather is what made that the focal version of what immigration is like and called oh yeah it's so wild i had no idea yeah and, and and apparently the like other other source of this myth is some folks you know went through the immigration system and then changed their last name to assimilate and either consciously or not consciously decided it was an easier story to say like yeah. oh Ellis yeah. dropped my culture i didn't do it yeah, well, it, again, it's just like referring to the whole system as Ellis Island. Yeah, right. Like, right. it makes sense in, in those terms, but then it's, you know, not probably usefully, not accurately useful to talk about it in this <laughs> conversation, but like, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> now I want Ellis Island to be, you know, our term for the immigration system in the U.S., in space, Han Solo. Yeah. Right? We all get it. it basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he really, that, that is like, he got Ellis Island. There's no way on that set they weren't like, okay, we're shooting the Ellis Island scene. That's like right. exactly <laughs> what that is. Just like a weird bureaucracy gives you a name. That's it. That's what that is. That's what that means, like it or not. Like, one really confused prop guy built a whole ocean liner. Like, oh, you don't want this? But, oh, oh, oh metaphor, metaphor. Cool, I'll yeah. take this back. I'll take this back. Uh, <laughs> we, can use, we can use this somewhere else. <laughs> Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Andrew T for just readily sharing so much about his own surname and its own history and also being so fun for all the rest of the information in the show, too. And what an amazing thing to learn about my buddy that, you know, the, the original character is D with a rising tone. Amazing. Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is the bizarre surname-based origins of the Smithsonian. You know, the museums and magazine television channel, everything else. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than nine dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring surnames with us. Here's one more run through the stats, numbers, and big takeaway. Because this episode has an all-time humongous numbers section that let us break out the entire history of surnames globally, several different cultures' surname systems, the roots of British surnames, colonialism's role in where surnames have moved and gone, and more... And then, takeaway number one out of one, the staff at Ellis Island rarely, if ever, changed the surnames of immigrants to the United States. Those are the takeaway and stats and numbers. Also, please follow my guest. He's great. Really grateful to Andrew T. every time he is on this show. He's very busy. He's a wonderful TV writer. He's written for Mixed Dish on ABC, other shows before and other shows coming up. And then he makes many, many podcasts over at suboptimalpods.com. And you can follow their link or my link for the next live episode of the wonderful, amazing podcast, Yo, Is This Racist? Very funny, very sharp, and I think particularly exciting live. That is Saturday, September 10th. So the Saturday after this episode releases, if you hear it right away, that's at the Bell House in Brooklyn, the Bell House, amazing venue if you've never been. And also, the format of Yo! Is This Racist, like, the audience is going to participate in an episode of Yo! Is This Racist? 
that is going to be a lot of fun. And you meet your neighbors and stuff. Good stuff. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. I leaned on reporting for CNN by Jesse Young, a book on Hispanic surnames by genealogist Lyman D. Platt, a book on British surnames by genealogist John Titford, and more material from the Smithsonian, the New York Public Library, Australia's SBS, Britain's BBC. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. Hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more secretly incredibly fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then.